I'm Ray Joy Fonchdill with Fonchdill Farms in Cibolo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it looks like the nation's winter wheat crop is going to be smaller this year. We'll take a look at some of those numbers coming out of Friday's WASDE report coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the past several days, pretty much the entire Texas High Plains has spent some time experiencing temperatures down in the single digits, with some locations even plunging below zero. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about what this brutal cold spell has meant for area feed yards. A new corn trait for 2024 that will allow farmers more flexibility in the field and give them more choices. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the details straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The nation's winter wheat crop looks a bit smaller this year, according to Friday's USDA Crop Production and Supply and Demand Report. We are estimating uh, 34.4 million acres, down 6.2% or 2.27 million acres from last year. That's Chris Hawthorne with USDA's National Ag Statistics Service. That 34.4 million acre estimate was smaller than the pre-report estimate, which stood at 35.8 million. USDA's chief economist, Seth Meyer. I think what we've observed in the United States and around the world is, is we've kind of had a bounce back in supply and maybe producers are thinking about uh, returning to some other crops. Wheat prices last year averaged 8.83 a bushel. This year, USDA is looking for an average price of a much lower 7.20 a bushel. Other crop estimates in Friday's report included a confirmation of an all-time record corn crop and a very good soybean crop, which Meyer says will increase stocks on hand in both of those crops. They're way up at the top end of the range in terms of total stocks, and this is the first quarter, remember, but I think it goes back to the fact that we saw upward revisions on corn and upward revisions on soybean production. So in both cases, yields a little bit better than anticipated, and in the case of corn, offsetting a modest downward revision in area. Now those are national stock numbers. What about here in Texas? There is less wheat, but more grain, sorghum, and corn in storage in Texas. 
According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, as of December 1st, there were 25 million bushels of wheat in all positions. That's down 34 percent from December 1st of 2022. Of that 25 million, 23.4 million bushels of wheat were stored off-farm. There were 25.7 million bushels of grain sorghum in all positions in Texas December 1st, up 8 percent. The majority of that, at 24.1 million bushels, is stored off-farm. Looking to corn, there are about 85.8 million bushels of corn stored off-farm in Texas. That's up 15% from the same time in 2022. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmo. The Governor Dolph Briscoe Jr. Texas Agricultural Lifetime Leadership Program, or TALL program, is seeking applicants for the new year, which begins on July 1st. TALL is a two-year leadership program managed by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. Applications for the new class are due March 15th. For more information, visit tall.tall.tamu.edu. Single-digit temperatures have dominated the last few days in the Texas panhandle. James Hunt takes a look at what this brutal cold has meant for Texas High Plains feedlots. If you live here in the Texas High Plains, it's by no means breaking news to say it has been extremely chilly in recent days. It hasn't been pleasant for anyone. But Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says area feedyard operators were fully prepared to make sure their animals were well taken care of. These guys have it down to a science and, and they know what they're doing. This isn't just out of the blue. This is something that they work through every winter. We go through these cold spells every winter. Along with making sure the cattle stay well fed, Miller says a big challenge for feedyard personnel is doing whatever's necessary to provide the animals with water. Frozen pipes, frozen tanks, I mean, they probably spend most of their time, if I had to guess, out there making sure that every animal has sufficient water. Fortunately for everyone involved, although temperatures have been bitterly cold, the situation this go-round hasn't been as bad as it could have been. Our cold spell this time is a dry cold spell, and a dry cold spell without a whole lot of wind. If we were, you know, zero, four, three, two, minus one degrees, and if you had a 30, 40 mile per hour wind with moisture, then we would be having a different discussion here, I would think. So there's been some good luck weather-wise, but looking at the financial side of things, this cold spell will force cattle feeders to absorb a bit of a loss on the overall value of the animals. These cattle that are on feed today, and they're being very well taken care of, but they're not performing like they would. Their daily gains are going to be down because they're actually going to be using all the energy not to put on weight, but using that energy to maintain and keep their body temps up. Once again, that was Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Seed companies are releasing new traits available for the 2024 crop. Tom Nicoletti recently visited with a Pioneer Seed representative for a look at their new offerings. My guest today is Adam Tice. He is U.S. Corn Marketing Lead with Pioneer. And Adam, as corn farmers in Texas get ready for the new planting season in 2024, what is going to be available for them in the way of new corn trade? 
A lot of excitement right now. We just advanced our last and most recent class of Pioneer corn hybrids for the U.S. and a lot of excitement with that class, both on the genetics that it's bringing in terms of yield and agronomics, but certainly on the trait side as well. As what's really exciting is we're gonna. This will be our first class of power cornless traded Pioneer hybrids, and really what we're bringing there is exclusive genetics that are bringing that additional yield punch. In fact, with our class of power cornless hybrids, we're seeing a 9.3 advantage over the competition with that first class that we have. So that's certainly exciting, but also when you look at what the traits allowing farmers to do it's just some options that they don't have today on their corn acres so first of all we're bringing another mode of action for above ground insects certainly there's a lot of challenging above ground insects in that market down there with different flight patterns it's reassuring to know there's another mode of action there to help protect that corn plant season long and just lower the overall risk giving farmers a good chance for success on the herbicide side you know managing weeds and keeping those fields clean is a perennial challenge of course for a lot of a lot of fields out there so we're now bringing the enlist system that has been very popular in soybeans and cotton to the corn acre, which is really exciting for a lot of folks because the benefits that we're seeing in those other crops are also true for corn. So the low volatility aspect of enlist chemistry and also that wide application window is giving farmers a lot of choice and also a lot of uh, safety in how they're applying those products with a very wide application window. So a lot of, a lot of give and take on the timing when they can get in those fields as well. That is Adam Tice with Pioneer. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now go to Central Texas, where Shane McClellan is an AgriLife Extension agent in McLennan County. And Shane, it looks like farmers and ranchers in your area have been getting some good rainfall this winter. Correct, and it's a, a big change from how we entered 2024. But these the last couple of rains we received have really bought our overall moisture levels and our deep soil moisture, which is, is the most important as we look to our future crops. And there have been slow soaking rains. As these rains have passed through, some of them are somewhat scattered. But those slow soaking rains allowed our soil to absorb moisture. That's really been helpful. It was good timing for many of our crops that are currently growing and definitely for those that we will we'll be planting here in the near future. Well, Shane, how is the wheat looking in your county right now? Our hardbred winter wheat is planted in Central Texas. is off to a really good start, good stand, better than we typically have. Everyone was excited about that, just hoping we would get some rain to continue that good stand and growth and emergence, and we received it. Wheat was kind of needing a drink. It was needing some moisture, and then these rains have been very timely in providing that moisture. Wheat is off to a good stand, good canopy cover, and uh, wheat's looking really good. The oats is off to a good stand. Most of our oats, of course, here is planted for grazing and not necessarily grain. But a wheat for grain looks really good, and you can see some livestock scattered around the area that are grazing some little small grains. So how would you rate those grazing conditions so far, Shane? Better than normal, good. I would say it's very positive. And, and after the last few years, we've had um, just unseasonable top weather where it would be too dry or not enough rainfall. We've had enough to allow our small grains to grow, our cool season annuals to emerge. And you see livestock out in the pastures that aren't hitting the hay as hard as they were because they've got grazing. And that's always a great sign from just save some money, not put out as much hay and allow livestock to graze just to get their nutrition. Well, it is hard to believe that planting season is close, but I know you've got some farmers running the corn planters there in just a few weeks. If weather conditions are what we want early February, we can have producers into the field. Early February is not too early for us. 
and they'll start planting down south first and kind of move up as the season change. But we have some warm soil temperatures, 57 to 60 degrees and warmer. Soil temps consistent for several days. Early February, producers will, will want to put some corn in the ground. And this moisture we're receiving now, that deep soil soaking moisture, is really going to help us plant our corn and get corn off to a great start a month from now. So looking forward to hopefully receiving some more rain between now and when we plant corn. Depending on what those weather conditions are early February, if it's really cool, then of course that'll push that planting date back a little more. Um, that's typically when we'll start see producers enter the fields to plant corn in that early February. That's Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco. The special late deer hunting season in the South Zone opens later this month. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I have a reminder for those hunters coming up on Texas Ag Today. And with the cold temperatures we're now facing, it's important to winterize your horse. Dr. Bob Judd continues that discussion from yesterday coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. With the cold temperatures we've been facing, it is important to winterize your horse. Dr. Bob Judd continues his discussion on that from yesterday. Emily Smith with Platinum Performance indicates horses may need supplementation with omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin E. These nutrients are abundant in fresh grass, but are not plentiful in hay in the winter. Extra hay is likely to be necessary in the winter to help keep the horse warm, but we have to make sure the horse is consuming enough water to prevent dehydration. And if you do decide to increase feed, do so gradually to prevent intestinal issues. The equine hair coat provides excellent insulation in the winter, even if the temperature is below freezing. However, rain and wind can make a difference, so having a shelter for your horse is important. Although you can stall your horses, this can lead to a problem of increased stress in horses that are normally outside and not normally stalled. Some of these horses will not drink well, and they will also undergo a change in feed compared to pasture. Lots of folks place blankets on their horses in cold weather, and this is fine, especially if they do not have adequate shelter. However, in Texas, we have so many warm days in the winter that if you blanket your horse and the temperature is over 50 degrees, the blanket needs to come off as some horses will sweat under the blanket and actually make them colder. All horses need fresh air, and this is not a problem for pastured horses, but if they are stalled in the winter, sometimes ventilation can be a problem, and lots of horses with allergic respiratory disease can have a difficult time breathing. To prevent this issue, try to keep the barn doors and windows open unless it is terribly cold and windy, and clean the stalls daily to prevent buildup of ammonia and mold toxins that irritate the respiratory tract. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The special late deer season in the south zone opens later this month. Jessica Domo has a reminder for those hunters in today's wildlife report. 
The special late white-tailed deer hunting season in the South Zone opens January 22nd. And if you plan on taking advantage of that season, you may need to have the deer you harvest tested before leaving the area. According to the Texas Animal Health Commission, hunters who harvest deer in portions of Brooks, Cameron, Hildago, Jim Hogg, Kennedy, Starr, Webb, Willisey, and Zapata counties will need to have their hides inspected and treated by a TAHC or USDA representative to prevent the spread of cattle fever ticks to unaffected areas of the state. Here's TAHC's Eli Benavides. I get asked all the time, you know, how fast can fever ticks spread? They can spread as fast as a car can drive. Say you shoot a new guy and you say, I'm going to move it anyway. No one's going to find out. I'll just go throw the hide off the side of the road somewhere or whatever. And say that hide is infested with cattle fever ticks and you throw that hide out, out of the back of the truck into a pasture with cattle and those fever ticks get established on that premises. And say you drove four miles away. I mean, you could get to San Antonio or even further, establish a whole new quarantine circle up there that we wouldn't find out right away until for some reason we get cattle go to the cell barn that are found to be infested or someone self-reports. We could have a major outbreak before we even know about it because someone decided to move a hide without getting inspected and treated. There's a huge financial burden on the local producers. It's a huge financial burden on the state to get that area cleaned up the cattle fever ticks. I mean, it just impacts a lot of people when it can all be prevented by getting your hides inspected and treated. A map of the quarantine areas and the contact information to have your hides inspected is available on the TAHC website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market started the trading week on a positive note. Triple-digit gains in most contracts on both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle up $1.75 to end at $173.12. The April up $1.175.17 with June up $0.55, cents, $172.17. Feeder cattle strongly higher. January up 97 cents, 227.55. March up a dollar 228.82. The April up a dollar 27 at 234.27. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet for the week. We do have asking prices here in the Southern Plains. Feedlots wanting 174 and better this week. No bids reported from the Packers. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up 273 at 294.15. Select taking a big jump up 692, 279.48. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
I'm with Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Sabas, Ken Jordan. Ken, how did the San Sabas sale go Thursday? We ended up right at 2,800 head of cattle to stock of steers, so probably five, fifteen dollars higher. That's compared to last week, which was a very strong market. I had a group of steers, there's three steers, weighed five, thirty-two, brought three oh seven and a half, a little over right at sixteen hundred and thirty-six dollars. Also had a group of seven steers that weighed four ninety-nine. Uh, they brought three ten a pound. On those little four hundred ninety-nine pound kids, those steers started out for fifteen hundred and forty-seven dollars. I thought the stocker heifers, they were probably seven to fourteen dollars a hundred higher. The feeder steers of bear cattle, they were steady. I threw the four steers weighed eight eighty-nine and dollar ninety-eight, seventeen hundred and sixty dollars on those. And I thought the feeder heifers were probably three to six higher. I had a really good set of uh, feeder heifers in one group. There's thirty head in that draft, weighed six eighty-nine at two nineteen a pound. That's right at fifteen hundred and nine dollars on those. I thought the packer cows and bulls, they all sold fully steady yesterday. Pairs of red cows sold steady on a very limited test. Overall, this extremely strong market. This market definitely rebounded uh, with the uh, uh, for the first year, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken Jordan, Jordan you, Cattle Auction, Mason, and Sensap. You bet, Larry. Give us a call, Larry. Code 325-372-5159. And, neighbor, we're aware of only one sale in our area down in Three Rivers on Monday. At least five cancellations for the week. That's it for Walking the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You're listening to me right now on Texas Act today. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished lower on Tuesday. February hogs dropped a dollar twelve seventy seventy seven. The April down a dollar five seventy seven fifty seven. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby January contract up a penny fifteen sixteen a hundredweight. February milk down sixteen at fifteen seventy four a hundred. Not much movement at all in the cotton market. We were very narrowly mixed on the close. Of course, the WASDE report that came out on Friday still kind of working its way through the market right now. Strong U.S. dollar also having an effect on the trade. We closed with March cotton up two points, 81.33. May contract down one, 82.28, while new crop December cotton was down four points, 79.59. That WASDE report was negative for both corn and wheat. Of course, it confirmed that we had a record corn crop come in in 2023, and that in turn is increasing corn stocks. That's weighing on the market. March corn down three and a half, 443 and a half, with September corn down four and a half, 469 and three quarters. Double digit losses in the wheat market. Again, the stronger dollar weighing on the market, as well as the WASDE report. Both hard and soft wheat seeing losses with March Kansas City wheat down 13 and three quarters, 601 and a half. New crop July down 14 and a quarter, 609 a bushel. Same thing on the soft wheat market in Chicago. July finishing 13 and a quarter lower, 605 and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas taking a big drop, down 45 cents at 286. February West Texas crude down 46 cents at 72.22 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow dropped 313 points, 37,279. The Nasdaq down 59 at 14,913. The S&P down 26, 4,757. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today, 
is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.